Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. If you are a wine lover like myself and you gotta have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, Mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my, my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge, So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses try firstleaf.com slash roses creams and serums are made of 70 percent water 15 percent preservatives and emulsifiers leaving only around 15 percent for the active ingredients that your skin needs but luckily now there's fiber skincare 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. 
If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. You told me you were falling in love with me first. You told me you loved me first. <laughs> Now it's my turn. Serena Pitt, I love you very much. Will you marry? <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor clues and we have just concluded watching the finale of Bachelor in Paradise season 7 one of the most historic seasons I guess the most historic season really of Bachelor in Paradise mm-hmm. of all time massive things happened in this that have fundamentally changed the nature of the game itself and we're going to dig into all the biggest plays from tonight the errors everything that we saw there was some just <laughs> fascinating shit on screen let me say that some fascinating chirons We'll get into all of it. We will. But before we do that, (laughs) we must inform you all that there is a book, which I posted a picture of Grimes reading it. I saw that. That was incredible. Yes. She's the mother of Elon Musk's child. And now she's also an avid reader of our book, How to Win the Bachelor, which you can pre-order right now if you go to wherever you get your books. And the good news is, if you pre-order it, you have the chance to win some prizes from us. If you pre-order the book and you go to howtowinthebachelor.com, you can upload your receipt. You'll be entered into a prize drawing. 15 people are going to get autographed copies of the book itself, autographed by me in Pay's case, of course. Five people are going to get autographed copies of the book and you're going to get a private Zoom with me in Pay's case once the book comes out. And then three people are going to get the book, the Zoom, and a very special t-shirt that we are not at liberty to say what is on this t-shirt. These are shirts that we produced and then we never put them out for sale because they are... uh, Reasons. They're contraband. Yeah, there's a reason. (laughs) You'll know why when you get it, but we think that you'll like the shirts nonetheless. And then one lucky person is going to get the autographed book, going to get that Zoom, going to get that shirt and going to get one prize. There is one of these in the world you will get it. And we cannot tell you what it is. It is an object that is priceless. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. absolutely true. And we know that you'll like it when you get it. Absolutely. This is something that I think everyone in the pit wants. It's Nick Vial's vial of sand. (laughs) If I fucking know, that would never be given away. If I had that in my possession, (laughs) I'd be wearing it around my fucking neck until I died. Okay. Nobody's getting vial's vial. Except me. Uh, <laughs> I wonder where that is. Who has it? Andy Dorfman? Who knows? Spoiler. It's not the vial of sand. No, it's not the vial of sand. It's not vial's vial. But that is one of the contests we're running. We are also running another contest. And you know what that contest is? It is a race to 10K. We have a goal of selling 10,000 books pre-order before our book comes out in January. You want to know where we're at right now, Clues? Please. We are at 11.4% of our goal. Oh, Pretty good. That ain't bad. 
Now we're not at liberty to say what that number actually is. Mm-mm, we can't. We can only give percentages. <laughs> yeah, eleven point four percent of ten thousand. It's oh, good. Man. No one is able to do that math on Earth. But let me tell you what we're gonna get if we get that math a little higher. If we get to twenty five percent of our goal, we will release the world premiere of the bottom of the pit original song by Bachelor Clues, a musical talent who's once in a generation, some might say. I I would say that. You would say that. Okay. (laughs) I like that (laughs) self-confidence. At 50% of our 10,000 book goal, we will do an IG Live from the shadow of the mansion, an infamous locale. At 75% of our goal, we will compete against each other. Usually we're a dynamic duo, but here we will be rivals in a Huju competition, which the pit will vote for the winner. It will probably be me unless Clue's continuous loading of his IFI affects the results of that. Do you know what I've been doing, by the way, in preparation for this? Uh, short sprints massive squatting of paint cans. I loaded up four paint cans on each side of my paint can weight bar now, and Uh I'm just squatting all day long so that when I get my mount, my leap is going to be huge. I'm going to clear the hips with my legs, no problem. Wowee. Okay. (laughs) We have some preseason training going on I was not aware of. No shit. I'm going to need to be squatting. (laughs) (laughs) That's at 75%. And at 100% of our goal, mystery prize for the pit. It will be revealed. And it's going to be a good one, I think. It's going to require a lot of work from Pace Case and I, but I think it will be worth it in the end. It is an endeavor really larger than any we've done. I I mean, maybe it's like, I think it's even bigger than the hyperbinge in terms of work that we're going to have to put in. But I think the payoff will be equally as grand, if not more so. Mm-hmm. It'll be a a grand project and, you know, I think we'd all love to see it. So help us hit that 10K, 100% of our goal. And thank you to everybody who's already pre-ordered the book and everything. And if you haven't already gone to howtowinthebachelor.com, you can still go there. If you've already pre-ordered the book, upload your receipt and you're in the contest. So with that said, let's do what we came here to do. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present... Analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. So this is it. The finale. We've been watching this fucking dumpster fire, big body trash can festival of a Bachelor of Paradise season for <laughs> however long it's been. This is eight weeks, I think. Big body fire festival yeah. trash. <laughs> big body season. fire festival. <laughs> This is the eighth week, the 11th episode. It is the finale. It is the second three-hour episode of the season, unnecessarily, just as the last one was. Mm, I wouldn't cut a thing. Disagree. (laughs) We'll get to the end of this episode. Not a thing. Not a sliver of the multiple montages. They played, in the end of this, two fucking montages back-to-back, followed by a like five-minute-long promo for Michelle Young's season. It was like 20 minutes of nothing. (laughs) fucking crazy. It felt like I was at a high school graduation and they're just 
playing all the whatever. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We're getting way ahead. Of, we're skipping to the end <laughs> before we've even said what the fuck. Let's is. talk ending montages now. This show opens with a promo like they all fucking do. We see two roses on a platform. Thomas is crying. We get love level fours from GSJ, Serena P. We get sparklers. Marissa's crying. Kendall returns. We know this is obviously going to be nothing. We know even from this promo that she's going to come in to give a final blessing and then leave. And Noah then starts to get this in memoriam package, recounting his entire relationship, his entire time on the beach with Abigail, all the way up to their fake breakup. The word on the street is that they were planning to leave the show together as boyfriend, girlfriend, and pursue this relationship, and that producers forced any couples who were not willing to go to the fantasy suite, who were not willing to be engaged, they forced them to break up before the show would progress. So that at least is the word on the street. Is the word on the street true? I mean, it seemed very well acted, if that is true. Did it? Abigail produced tears. Becca Kufrin, okay, uh-huh. just did a little event for it was a alcohol brand or something a thing where you could pay ten dollars and like she would be in a zoom with you and a thousand other people or whatever she basically said when you're on paradise you don't sleep she said when she got there the first day she got like 45 minutes of sleep and that they keep you wired all the time Mm. no sleep torture there are no air conditioners bugs are on your all the time yes you're under an immense amount of psychological duress and i think you cry at the drop of a hat as a result, because anything will just tip you into like breaking down, basically, you know, any little emotional prodding mm-hmm. one way or another. I mean, shit, you're seeing Serena P even on this. It's like she's in a great relationship that is under no threat. She's crying in every ITM. <laughs> I just thought that was a good play. That too. I'm not I'm not knocking the play, but we're back in the breakup. We're at Paradise Prom still somehow. Noah says that he wasn't trying to blindside her. She does a post-mortem love level three. Says, I was coming to tell you I was falling in love with you too. He says, at the end of the day, I wasn't your person. You shouldn't hold it against yourself at all. She says, I want to forget about this and move on. There's nothing else to say. And they hug goodbye. He says, I'm sorry. He ITMs that he doesn't regret sticking with her the whole time. He's not walking away with regrets. He's producing tears in the car exiting. And says, we were great, but we weren't soulmates. This part was a little suspect to me. The fact that he just gets in the car, doesn't say anything to anyone. Abigail goes back to the prom, tells them that they're both going home. Yeah, the producers forced him out. And they gave her the last moment with the players. None of this is a Mm -hmm. a player's choice when and how you're leaving the show. And if you get in the car or not, the producers made Mm -hmm. him do that. For sure. 100%. So she can get an STCO. Exactly. And in portion two, when Abigail comes back and Mari is ITMing, that he has some nerve to just walk away and not say goodbye or confront everyone else, she says. A, why does he have to talk to anyone else about this? No one else was in that relationship. And this has been there all season. The idea that the other players are owed some kind of apology Mm -hmm. or group explanation for shit in relationships that they're not in, that has been there all season long. That there's somehow some kind of like honor code among all these players that's like, well, if Mm -hmm. you do something bad, you better apologize to us all. It's like, no, that is not how it works. But B, the idea that, again, Noah is in any control of being able to like go back in that room and say goodbye to anybody. Clearly he was not because they made him just go straight into the fucking car. This whole show tonight was like acting on a level I've never seen. And Granted, I think all three of these relationships are genuine. I do believe these people fall in Mm. love with each other. 
Nonetheless, they are putting on a fucking performance for us in the course of the show. All of them. One of the greatest performances for me came in portion two when all of the female players, STCO, Abigail, as she's crying, James says, didn't they just win most likely to stay together? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What a company box man, James Bonsall, claiming that these awards are real. (laughs) that they would mean anything, even if they had voted. If I would have been standing next to him, I would have slapped him in the face. And I would have just said, no, we're not doing that. What are you talking about? They won a fucking fake award from Wells Adams and a radio announcer voice. That's why you're all out. I can't believe it. They just won the Bachelor of Paradise. They can't break up. Oh, God. It was a funny moment, though. Don't get me wrong. And I do like Bonso a lot. He he emerged from the season mm-hmm. as one of my favorite players for fucking sure. He's grown on me for sure. But then we get this idea from Mari and GSJ gets an ITM doing all of this. Serena gets an ITM supporting this idea. Even Marissa gets an ITM in the final shot of this. They're all talking about this idea that if Noah and Abigail, the superpower couple, can crumble this easily, then no relationship is safe. Meanwhile, their relationship did not crumble. They are now, even as we saw at the end of this very episode, happy and dating. And Abigail Herringer has just posted to her Instagram a short video of her and Noah Herb in a waterfall. And her caption reads, I love you, Noah Herb. That was posted Mm -hmm. tonight in conjunction with this airing. So we know that their relationship did not really decay. We know that this was all for the show. And we move on then to portion number three. By the way, Queen Serena P has produced tears at this point. Very 4TRR. So many tears. That's all she was doing was crying <laughs> through this whole fucking episode. It was great. <laughs> Portion three begins. We see some shots of an ocean. We see a little bird. We see Thomas walking the beach in the morning. And Becca is ITMing her surprise at seeing Herb and Herringer break up and the effect, again, that it has on the other players who must now examine what they want. And we keep getting this narrative very early in this episode. This is the time when you're going to have to have these gigantic conversations. And this is the time when you really have to examine the relationships. They have padded maybe 45 minutes worth of that ITM style shit into this whole fucking episode (laughs) for no reason. Over and over. GSJ, who has said there's no rules in paradise, gives us the rules in an ITM and says, this is the end of Bachelor in Paradise rules. After tonight, you have three options. Get engaged, leave together, or break up. But that option number two, leave together, is not an actual option. As we saw with Abigail and Noah, they were forced to break up by the producers. So your two options, GSJ, are actually get engaged or break up. There is there is no leaving paradise together, which is insane to me. Feast or famine. It is feast or famine. Even Becca Kufrin and Thomas, which we'll get to later, were forced to break up and now we see they're happy and in love. So it just doesn't make any sense. This fucking episode was just a disaster in my opinion. Had some some bright spots, but mainly a disaster. So after GSG gives the three options, night falls and everybody comes to the cocktail party. Natasha is ITMing. It's the fifth cocktail party and men have the roses. So two women are going to be going home. And she talks about how bad it sucks that she got sick and she didn't get a chance to talk to Ed about where he is. I think this is acting a little bit in this ITM. She's known this guy for a couple of days. I don't think she wants to go to the fantasy suite with him. I don't think he really wants to go. I mean, fuck, maybe he does because we saw what he did to fucking McKenna. (laughs) But whatever. (laughs) I don't think she was like all that interested in him, but she's still playing this idea of like, well, fuck, I got sick. And so I don't know where he's at. And it's like, neither of you are really at that level. But Wells then emerges. 
He is rubbing his hands together like Mr. Burns in The Simpsons. And that becomes his primary move. If you go back and watch this episode <laughs> or just fast forward to any of the Wells parts, this fucking dude is rubbing his hands together like a Machiavellian dude literally every time you see him. This entire, I might do a, a super cut of Wells rubbing hands together if I have time. If I have time. Mm-hmm. I did not notice this. It's all I could see. It's all I could fucking see when he came out of screen. Was that in front of the ladders? Yeah. yeah. Was, I'm, I'm sure he was standing in front of the ladders, but he's wearing like this bright red shirt that looks like a Papa John's pizza shirt while he's rubbing his fucking hands. I know it's for the resort, but... It's a clue. Yeah, exactly. But he forces everybody to talk about their prom experiences, and they all say again that seeing that breakup made them re-examine their own relationships. They're just hitting that mm-hmm. over the fucking head again and again, and Wells tells them that they're at a crossroad, he is canceling the cocktail party. So they built up this whole thing that like tonight at the cocktail party, we have to have these incredible conversations to determine where we're going. He's like, fuck you. No cocktail party. So the producers here are just cutting down everybody who needed to have those conversations. They do not mm-hmm. care about helping these relationships. Emotional roller coaster. Exactly. It's openly undermining their ability to form these relationships and have the conversations that they are now making all the players in these ITMs say are so important. They don't give them the opportunity to have... The conversations. Who at home is watching this and thinking that the producers give a fuck about any of these people other than the podcast hosts? I was going to say, the made players. We get our fifth rose ceremony. GSJ to Serena P, Riley to Marissa, Kenny to Mari, Thomas to Koof, James to Anna, Aaron to Tia, Ed to Mike Kenna. Goodbye, Natasha Parker and Chelsea Vaughn. Natasha says, I hope I get some engagement. And then it cut off the audio for me. And I was like, you did, Natasha. Don't worry. You're getting tons of engagement. God, and the show knows it too. (laughs) We're going to fucking see that at the end. But her exit speech is pretty good. She's worked very hard to be patient and caring, but it's not enough. She's learned when it comes to other people in her life. She doesn't trust herself. And we get some tears from her. And she says she's always the one with the short end of the stick. Just tired of that. The older she gets, the harder it gets. I can't with this anymore. And I think that's probably Natasha's last time in the game. I don't think we're ever going to see her play again. I think she's going to be very happy with her new Instagram followers and very happy with her role on Clickbait, which is now a huge podcast thanks to this season of Bachelor in Paradise. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. We only got one hint that one player might return to Paradise from the end of this, but time will tell. Yeah, I could see Natasha coming back. Maybe. Koof does the cheers and says, the fact that we're all here together, it's still working. Praise the process. Ed gets a little post-cheers here. Cheers to coming uh-huh. into the game in the fourth quarter and still playing in the game. He's yes. literally saying this is football. He calls it a game. It's a game. They all cheers. They even laugh as though they know it is a game. Like, <laughs> it is a game, motherfucker, but we can't say it out loud. This is as close as you can get to it is issuing a metaphor for another game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, someone tags the end of it and says, cheers to love, not a game. Yeah, exactly. They didn't include <laughs> the last part. <laughs> we get portion number four. Wells insists on everyone going to the Rose Papa for a big announcement, and he introduces some new friends who know exactly how you feel in this moment when you're making decisions that will change your lives forever. And we get... Kaylin Miller Keys and Dini Babies. Dini Babies says he was expecting some applause. <laughs> he deserves it. Dini <laughs> Babies, look, 
you know, we talk about Bachelor royalty and specifically Bachelor in Paradise royalty where mm-hmm. this show is concerned. In my opinion, Deanie Babies and Kaylin Miller Keys, they're up there with almost Jade and Tanner. If they would be married and have children, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what they want. I don't know if that's in the cards for them. But if they chose that lifestyle, I think they would be their equal. I think Kaylin Miller Keys and Babies, they're kind of like the cool aunt and uncle of Jade and Tanner or something, you know? Mm-hmm. They're like living this crazy jet set travel lifestyle. He's taking these crazy visit videos of him. They appear to be living an amazing life. <laughs> totally. To- like just having so much fun without the family element. So I do feel like they're kind of the cooler version of the Ropers, but it's good to see them on screen. You know, as we mm-hmm. see throughout the show, they did very little, but here they explain how they fell in love on their season of Bachelor in Paradise. They're reading this bad script. It's not too bad of a reading, a little stilted, but they say there's no more new arrivals, no more date cards, no more distractions. Paradise is over. Tonight is overnight dates with fantasy suites, and tomorrow there could be an engagement. This is the initiation of the fuck or flee moment in our beloved game every year in Bachelor in Paradise. They have some hosts come out and do that. Tonight, you either have to go in the fantasy suite or you have to get the fuck off the beach. Those are your two options. <laughs> you can't you can't just sit in the palapa and have those conversations we didn't let you have. You got to go to the fantasy suite or you got to get the fuck out of here. And you also have to, as Kaylin Miller-Key says, listen to your heart. This shit fucking got to me. I was like, no, they are not doing that. Oh, yeah. That show's canceled. They're never bringing it back. Why are, you, why are they fucking promoting never it? Never stop listening, though. Please, you gotta just... <laughs> Keep your ear on the heart. Keep listening. No matter what. Portion five, we then get this segment where everyone is split up by genders and they have to one by one have these conversations in which they decide whether they're going to do fantasy suites or if they're going to break up. And we get various people's walls regarding this decision. Kenny is worried. He's 40. Mari is 25. She hasn't done a lot of things. But she says she always wanted to get married young and she's in a different space than a lot of people her age. In her ITM, she loads a precog and says, hopefully I'll be an engaged woman tomorrow. If Kenny proposes, I'm definitely saying yes. Yeah, I thought this was a good little moment. You know, there was some trepidation, but it seemed like, as they said, they were on the same page. When they split them, by the way, into the two gendered couches, Mm -hmm. do you think that's just because they only have like a camera crew at this point? And they're like, well, we can only shoot one conversation at a time. (laughs) Like, why didn't they let them all just go talk to each other, shoot it all simultaneously? I guess it's so that they could have the different genders talking about it. It was very strange. Yeah, the guy and girl chats. I feel like they wanted to, like, build the tension. Like, oh, now it's this couple's turn. What's it going to be? Yeah, it was very weird. Mm -hmm. That was like firing squad. You're just waiting for your when the producers tell you, like, now it's your turn. Go down the fucking beach. We then get Thekka, Thomas, and Koof. He takes her to the spot where he did their promposal, says he's so happy with her, wants to know how she feels, but she says she was expecting to get a nice tan and make some friends. Wrote him off at first, but he's very good at being supportive, but it seems too good to be true. I think what's best for us is to not continue and not go to Fantasy Suites and not show up tomorrow. He then does a Hail Mary love level three. When I'm with you, everything inside me screams I'm falling in love with you. You gave that an LL3? Mm-hmm. I gave it an LL2. Why? Everything inside of me screams I'm falling in love with you. He's not saying I'm falling in love with you. He's saying everything within him is screaming. What? 
that he's falling in love with her. To me, that was like, I'm starting to fall in love with you. It's There's like a, a barrier. It's hedging it a little bit. Yeah. It's like, I'm not falling in love with you. It's like... My body is screaming. Everything within me is basically falling in love with you. It's like a little removed. And there's so much in him. He's so tall. He's a big body trash can. But he says, we're calling off a potential life together because things are too good. He can't make sense of that. She says there's something missing. She sees a part of Thomas, but not all of him. She hasn't gotten that from him. Thomas then pulls fucking tears. This is something Mm -hmm. I didn't think he was capable of. And he does it. And he says he'll trust her decision. Amazing. That's how he's going to show her that he is all in for her. And he takes his big body down the beach. And then Kufrin yells after him, runs toward him. The other players all see this and they're doing like color commentary. We got movement. Wow. This is like really Mm -hmm. a game they're watching. And she tracks him down and says, I don't want you to leave here thinking that I didn't care. And he's tearing up, begging her to let go of him, saying, just let me go. Let me go. And she wants to make very clear that. I gave it my all, and this was a real relationship. And I think in this Mm -hmm. moment, she probably sensed, fuck, this edit can go real bad because he's crying. He looks more 4TR than me. I need to make this right. That's what this played to as me. Yeah, she looks like she doesn't give a fuck. Exactly. And also, just, you know, for the history buffs out there, Becca tracking down Big Body Trash Can and forcing this conversation with him when he clearly doesn't want it. He's literally begging for her to let him go. This is basically what Ari did to her. Tracking her around the house after he dumped her and then she was like, get out of here. And he was just like, no, we need to keep talking. It's just so, At least that had a similar vibe to me. But they get a last hug together and Big Body Trash Can walks away, gets in a car. She gets in a car and then finally she tears and says that she is seeing the side of him she wanted to see but it's under these weird circumstances and she didn't hear that from the last two guys she was engaged to. That's for sure. This is Ari Leindyke and Garrett Agarian. And she's torn, she says, and we get some tears and Thomas gets no exit speech. We then, in portion six, get a loaded love level two from Ed regarding my Kenna, <laughs> whom he met yesterday. I could see myself <laughs> falling in love with my Kenna. I have to say... Ed has always been an entertaining player to me. Not a good player. Like a very bad player, actually. But fuck, this Mm -hmm. guy is incredible. Like he knows the parts of the game and he'll try to play them kind of willy-nilly, but it's like it never works just because he's so unskilled at it. I fucking love Ed Wastebrot. Wow, a love level four for Ed from Clues. (laughs) That's right. Never thought I'd see the day. If you're out there, Ed, hit me up. I mean, look, I gave him my MVP. Things can happen. That's true. Kenny says classic Ed to try to go to the fantasy suite with a girl he just met yesterday, which it's like Kenny went to the boom boom room with multiple people he had just met. Riley laughs at this when Kenny says it. It's like, motherfucker, you literally went to the boom boom room the day you met Marissa Gunn. Yes. Not even the day before. And he's laughing at this shit like (laughs) that Ed is such a crazy person. But Ed's a fool archetype. (laughs) Exactly. He's like, yeah, I'm not a fool. (laughs) Not a serious player. I'm a professional. Ed then love level ones, my Kenna. In a short amount of time, I develop feelings for you. There's a spark if you want to try. And my Kenna is just trying to break up with him. Time is up. I'm <laughs> struggling. We're so far from each other. The distance, you know, I don't know if we built a strong enough bond. There's something missing. I can't be what you are looking for. He's like, but I feel such a strong spark. Do you want to explore outside? It's a waste to say, let's turn it off. And my cousin says, better for us to end it here. I don't think I'm your person. He says, I want the opportunity to leave here today and make some plans. 
McKenna, I think it's better to go our separate ways. And he says, you're going to bail on me. I mean, I almost gave this by error of the game. (laughs) His insistence, you know. It was fucking incredible. He tried to come back at it three fucking times. She clearly breaks up with him. And he's like, but I do have a spark. We should explore the spark. And she's like, no, we shouldn't. He's like, okay, but can we make plans after this? And she's like, no. Yeah, (laughs) It's fucking incredible. We we always say, you know, shoot your shot, but I don't think we say enough, shoot your shot and then leave her alone. Exactly. Shoot your shot. And if you miss the basket, walk off of the court. You don't get to mm-hmm. shoot again. <laughs> do not do that. Fucking Edway's pride. But look, you know, in his defense of what he's trying to do here, he did go down to the beach and have to do the same thing to her to get her to go on that one-on-one date. Mm-hmm. She was ready to leave the fucking beach. Yeah, it was successful. Yeah, and he had to kind of like convince her multiple times, like, what have you got to lose? Come on. This is a little different situation because it's like you're in the fucker flea zone and it, she's like, yeah, dude, we're, I'm not going to the fucking fantasy suite with you. Are you out of your fucking mind? There's nothing to convince her. Like the what have you got to lose argument is not going to work at this point in the game. And that's really all he's got left. That's all he, the only skill he has, you know? I mean, for me, I'm like, go to the fantasy suite and not fuck. Get that screen time. Do some fun game or activity. Go and do tricks in the hot tub. Why not? But clearly there's producers behind the scenes being like, it needs to mean something if you're going to do this. They don't want to mess with the sanctity of fantasy suites for it to be a joke. Totally. And also, I think it's just a production thing as well. You know, they can handle three couples going to the fantasy suites. What if six or seven couples had gone? What would that episode of TV be mm-hmm. like? It would be chaos. You wouldn't even know what the fuck you were watching. It would be sexy as hell. Right, sexy as hell. <laughs> but in terms of the, the structure of the game and weeding it down to the last whatever couples, mm-hmm. if you've got like that many people having that same conversation, and that's why I loved you, and that's why I loved you. Okay, lights off. That's why I loved you. That's why I loved you. Okay, strawberry mm-hmm. whipped cream, lights off. That's why I loved you. That's why I loved you. Like, you couldn't fucking do that seven times in a row. The show would be unwatchable. Not that this was much better, but... <laughs> Next up, we have the boxman himself, James Bonsall. He gets his one-on-one time with Anna Redmond. And she's ITMing, feeling comfortable with someone, and she's never felt that before in her life. She has a complex that guys want her until they realize she wants them back. And this past year has not gone right for her. And she wants this to go right. And so Bonsall opens up this one-on-one time with Anna Redman with this phrase. It's been a crazy week. <laughs> I fucking, I don't know why that shit just made me laugh. It's like, yeah, dude, no shit. We're in a fucking torture scenario where we're cut off from all of other humanity. We're sweating our fucking balls off. We have no outside communication with anybody and people are psychologically traumatizing us for their entertainment. It has been a crazy week, but he gets a little chemistry game going puts a hand on her knee while they're about to start this conversation, Mm-mm. which is strange. It's a mixed signal. Oh, totally mixed signal. And then she ll wants him, I like you, and I'd like to see where this can go. And Bonsell says he doesn't think he's in a place where he can see them falling in love, and Bonsell chooses to flee. We owe it to ourselves to not adjust our standard of what we're looking for, he says. Ouch. Yeah, you're below my standard. <laughs> I mean, holy shit. You're not Aaron. But then he puts it on himself and he says, it might be because of my past relationships. And she's like, well, I feel let on. And they hug it out. And that's it. That's uh, the end of fucking Bonsall. This actually surprised the fuck out of me. And Bonsall, self-eliminating and not even opting to go to the fantasy suite to have a conversation and get more screen time was my 
error, 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 error of the game. We constantly talk about not self-eliminating. If you could do it in an entertaining way, potentially. And I, I kind of get that like at this level of the game, it does look a little shitty if you go to a fantasy suite with no intention of pursuing a relationship with the person. Nonetheless, you can tell Anna Redmond that and be like, look, I think we should both get some more screen time. Let's go to the fantasy suite. I'm not like interested in pursuing a relationship, but like we can hang out and like get drunk for one night. That'll be fun, right? We can talk about whatever. Yeah. Let's talk. I don't know if I'm ready for that step, but I would love to spend more time with you and explore this. Totally. And then the next morning you break up. When you have to fucking put a ring on her finger or flee, then you flee. But you'll at least get that fantasy suite moment. You'll at least get a little more screen time. So for me, that was an error. But then Anna comes back to the other women, hugs them. She ITMs wanting a relationship and being ready to make something work. We get tears from her. And she says she should have known better. And then Bonsall walks into the ocean and sits on a rock to contemplate his choice to flee. And he ITMs. <laughs> Anna is not my person. He's upset about leaving paradise with no relationship. He says that's what he came here to find. And he's not going to leave unless he's in a relationship, he says. He's not going to leave without a relationship. And so he goes to the guys and Aaron is sitting there and he tells Aaron... We came in together and we have to leave together. And Aaron, without hesitation, accepts this offer and says, I just need to talk to Tia for a second. Aaron, accepting Bonsall's ultimatum, leave this beach with me or I will be pissed at you, was my... Play, 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 play of the game. I know that we just said, or I just said, we preach against self-elimination all the time. I would argue this is not self-elimination. Yes. He's not eliminating himself. He is accepting an offer from another player to leave the beach, just as Kaylin Miller-Keys did to Dini Babies in one of the most historic plays of all time. Nothing alike. It's exactly like it. How dare you? <laughs> They're just friends. It's not romantic. <laughs> or maybe it doesn't. We don't know. But this moment was easily the funniest moment potentially all season easily in these three hours and the prior three hours, this was fucking hilarious. And the way he then handles the situation with Tia, he just fucking pulls her from the couch. Doesn't even take her to a day bed, takes her to a little hallway. She even is like, Oh, we're just going to have this talk right here. And he's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So look, this isn't going to work. I got to bounce back to the SD. He says he drops the fucking name of the San Diego crew, giving them more power in doing this. He's a part of that crew. So he's already starting to, carve out the battle lines between New York, Nashville, Los Angeles, and now San Diego. And I believe he just gave San Diego the biggest fucking bump of clout that he possibly could have by doing this. And we see this fucking crazy moment where Bonsall is giving him piggyback right off the fucking beach. <laughs> Aaron breaking up with Tia for a two-minute <laughs> scripted bit with James was my... Error, 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 error of the game. I don't know if we've ever given a play of the game in an error. <laughs> I just, I feel like he could have still played up this dynamic duo. Yeah. They could have done this bit where Aaron love level four is James, but breaks up with him to pursue love. Like 
Aaron saying, it's the end of the road, my friend. I've got to see this spark through. James saying, we'll always have paradise. I've already scripted how this could have gone. Aaron, we'll always have our podcast together. Big body trash talk. See you in San Diego. James Bonsall has 100,000 Instagram followers. Tia has over a million. Yeah. Think, Aaron. But he's going to get to come on happy hour now. And Tia's going to interview him about all of it. And Tia took it well. She was laughing. Everybody was laughing about this. Yeah, I feel like it was all scripted. Of course. The whole show is fucking scripted. (laughs) That shouldn't be news. I didn't find it to be this like endearing moment. I was just like, this is a dumb bit. I loved it. I have to say I loved it. And like I said, I really liked when they dropped the San Diego crew. That's now in the document. And people are like, what's the San Uh Diego crew? Oh, it's everybody. Katie Thurston, all those fucking San Diego people that have been in all these pictures. Even Milne, Conran, they were part of it there for a moment. Jacinia Cruz, they all met in San Diego. They're part of the San Diego crew, at least for a second. This to me was an interesting, interesting moment because it also kind of like shit on paradise. It was kind of like Aaron was like, yeah, I just came here to get Instagram followers. He's essentially telling you that by Mm -hmm. doing this. Yeah. Which I loved. Absolutely loved. And he's going to be celebrated for it. Neither of these guys is going to lose any Instagram followers. They're only going to gain probably not a lot, but they'll get a little bump from this. I just think there's such a potential to be partnered up with Tia that I feel like was squandered. So that I mean, that's that's why it's my error. I just think you lean into that. You just... I think they would have let Aaron and Tia do a fantasy suite date. They're both extremely entertaining. It's a colorful narrator, romantic story. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I think they would have given that too. But for whatever reason, they did did it this way. I thought it was fucking funny. Mm-hmm. It was my play of the game. And then we see Tia is forced to drag a suitcase through the sand for some reason. And she issues a profanity-laden ITM about never dealing with men again and leaving the beach single. Yeah, she says, fuck this beach, fuck these dudes, never coming here again, see ya, never paradise. Yeah. Do you think this is her last touching of sand? Yeah, because she's she's got her happy hour now. And one point whatever million followers she's set. And then portion seven we see is Marissa telling Mari and Serena that it is scary to see the other couples drop like flies because all these couples are fucking breaking up right before their eyes. And now Riley is up and she ITMs that she wants to go to the fantasy suite with him and she loves where they're going because he makes her so happy. And in this one-on-one time with Riley and Marissa... He opens with a how you doing. He says, we have to know for sure if this is something we want to continue. Dot, dot, dot. I would love to go to the fantasy suite with you. Fucks with her. She says, I fucking hate you. They make out. He says, I can't have you thinking you just got me in the bag. And Marissa loads love level four in her ITM. I love Riley as he carries her across the beach. We then... Get one-on-one time between GSJ and SP. Serena P loads love level four in her ITM. I do love Joe. Grocery store Joe goes the same route as Riley, messing with Serena, but tells her he's happy he let his guard down with her. His highlight was when they love level three, and he really wants to spend the night with her. He then drags it out of her, says, how do you feel? She says, I'm in love with you. He says, I was going to say that later. I love you too. Love level four. This, by the way, was almost almost my error that he drug it out of her because he even implies that he knew the more powerful moment to say this is later at the fantasy suite. Yes. But he was like, well, how do you feel? It's like, don't fucking ask her that if you don't want the answer right now, you dipshit. It, yeah, it was an error. They, they didn't build up to that at all. Game of Roses is sponsored by BetterHelp. Clues, uh, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. 
And if you keep them all bottled up, it can affect you negatively. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of that beautiful mind, Clues? Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, It has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills, you know, the... The whole premise of life is is kind of a, a, it's a lot to undertake, and therapy can help with that. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire, then you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Clues, it is springtime. It is the off season. It Mm. is gore girl summer. The weather's getting warmer. Thank Dark Lord Palmer. And it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, and I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like Clues, who only wears one outfit. I'm Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. (gasps) I'm a source boy, Quince boy. You got no idea. I'm wearing Quince t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince long sleeve t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince sweaters, Quince pants. I'm Quinced. (laughs) Just call me Quinced. King Quinces, they call me. I love Quince. Okay, Quince. Uh, Get warm weather ready with Quince. Be a Quince King yourself or Quince Queen. Go to Quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. Clues. Mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect t-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring, I'm ready to get out there, I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in Onyx, that's kind of a dark black color and the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite which is kind of like a blue green and they're both so comfortable it's basically like you are wearing nothing great for free spirit types well for all the free spirits out there right now you can shop the skims t-shirt shop at skims.com now available in sizes xxs through 4x if you haven't yet be sure to let them know we sent you after you place your order select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows 
Again, that's Skims. Portion eight, we get this B-roll of an empty makeup station, discarded teddy bears. The beach is basically empty now after all these decapitations have happened amongst the various players that have self-eliminated and eliminated one (laughs) another. It is squid game up in here. And the women talk about the mixed emotions of the day. Serena Pitt ITMs that it went from the largest cast in Paradise history, interesting that she would know that, to three couples, and it's eerie. Who's telling them that? Producers? You guys... This is the largest cast in Paradise history. Like, they have to be, right? How would the players know? Serena has been counting. She's got tally marks <laughs> on the wall. <laughs> She's got charts. She has pit papers there on the beach. We don't know this about her, but she loves numbers. <laughs> yeah. GSJ gets to narrate the remaining couples getting ready for the fantasy suites. And the couples all come before babies and keys. Dean and Kaylin ask the three remaining couples... Will your relationship work outside of paradise? Are you ready for the next step? You have time alone with no distractions. Go have open and honest conversations. Like, are you ready to move to my city? Are you ready to get engaged? And next time we see you, it'll be at your own private rose ceremony. Riley calls it grown-up talks tonight. And we see some fake doubts here. Kenny's worried if Mari is ready for sure. GSJ is worried Serena could flip and get cold feet like Kendall. GSJ is also putting on like his best t-shirt during that little yeah. ITM during the montage. All the other guys are putting on like button-up shirts and nice pants and shit. This motherfucker's still rocking the t-shirt like he just came from the gym, as they said in the early part of the season. This was the first time I really noticed his fashion because I was like, okay, this is like uh-huh. the ceremony of the whole thing is now like really gearing up and people are going to look like everyone is going to look good. Everybody's going to go to the fantasy sweet dinner. This is like where they try to make it more of a traditional bachelory feel. And this guy's putting on a literal mm-hmm. t-shirt. I did notice, I think it might've been the first time we saw him shirtless. Got a little peek. Oh yeah. When he was trying to get that shirt over set. I think we've seen mm-hmm. him shirtless on the beach once or twice as well, though, mm. in the day bed. I have that memory for some reason. We then get the fantasy suites portion, portion number nine, in which we rotate between all of the fantasy suites in quick succession. They're all future casting. And that's what I'm saying. Like, imagine if there were seven couples in this portion where it's like each one just gets a sentence and then they cut to the next one. You know, it's like, I love you. I love you too. I love you. I love you too. I love you. I love you too. (laughs) I mean, they couldn't have done it. They had to pare it down to three. Like, as three the most we've ever seen? Have they done inner cutting of them before? I don't fucking know. I don't know. I, uh, I can't remember, but it felt a little jarring to me to be bouncing back and forth between all of them. Totally. Maybe that's why they had some of the people who have level four before. It really diminished the value of any individual uh, fantasy suite because what you're watching mm-hmm. in these fantasy suites is like an escalation. It happens every time. It's you have your conversation at dinner where you either have to overcome a wall or reaffirm your love level or whatever it is that leads to, well, do you want to go to the fantasy suite? Yes, I do. Or no, I don't. You see them come into the fantasy suite. There will be a little pre-fantasy suite behavior, eating the chocolate, getting in the hot tub, making out on the bed, and then the light goes out, the door closes. Consummation. Yeah, the consummation begins. That's the basic structure of a fantasy suite. By intercutting three of them simultaneously, you're hitting the same beats of momentum three times before moving to the next one. So there is Mm -hmm. no actual momentum through any of these stories. They stagnate. This is a terrible editing choice, terrible producing choice. They should never do it again. That's my humble opinion. Second it. 
GSJ and Serena P can love level four again. GSJ feels like she could be the one. Serena P loads a precog. If he got down on one knee, hard for me to say no. Kenny tells Mari, no one expects me to get married or expects me to have kids. I usually just say I'm happy being alone, but this has changed the whole course of my life. Talking about engagement, want to make sure you're in that place. Mari says, I'm 25. I have friends who party all the time, but I was forced to take care of myself at a young age. And he says, I don't see you as 25 outside of your looks. I feel like we're the same age. Yeah. (laughs) You seem like an old piece of shit like me, but you definitely don't look like it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You seem tired on the inside. (laughs) Exactly. In the end, when he gets down to propose to her, he's like, oh, my old bones. That was a... I can very, very much identify with that feeling as someone who is in the same decade of their life as Kenny. Okay. This is more loading of the IFI for the Hoosier competition. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> I just told you I'm doing fucking squats. Your old bones are going to prevent you from winning. Old bones, young muscles. That's my motto. Mm. Kenny then does a sacred word defense saying, in my family, we don't say I love you. We express our love by calling each other something that's bleeped out. I believe this is fucker. Or asshole, I don't know. But he says, it's not something I throw around, but I know that I love you. Love level four is Mari. Mari, love level four is him back. I love you too. And we jump to Marissa and Riley. And Marissa describes an engagement. She says, it's a reassurance thing. You're my person. And I know that a thousand percent. Riley says, engagement makes me nervous. My mom hasn't met you. Being in love, having kids, it's everything I ever I ever wanted. Don't want to fumble a play. It's a game. And I've dreamt of my engagement since I was 21, about Sunday morning, waking up early. My wife is asleep. I hear little feet coming up the stairs. Daddy, I'm hungry. His child, his future child wants cookies for breakfast. He says, quality time with family. I don't need anything more than that. When I see you, I see Sunday morning, which feels unbelievably good. I know for certain that I love you. Love level four. And this love level four by Riley was my... Play, 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 play of the game. Riley and Sunday mornings. It's like this continuous thread that he has had throughout his time on the various franchises. Honestly, I feel like it was a mistake for him to not bring up Sunday mornings in his proposal speech later. But regardless, this love level four brought a tear to my eye. It was fantastic. And if I'm honest with myself, Uh just in terms of like game mechanics and shit, this really was the play of the game. I just preferred Uh Aaron's. I was more entertained by Aaron's play, but this shit was like otherworldly. Like you're saying, that whole fucking narrative about what he imagines his Sunday morning to be and that he imagines it with her and all this shit. uh, Fucking brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And he's done like a fantastic walls game throughout this entire season that Marissa Gunn Uh is always like trying to pull it out of him a little bit but when he finally does get past the wall what he gives you is fucking utter perfection it is golden it feels like we've gotten past those walls too the nation he is in my opinion the most surprising player this season he has been stellar like never a misstep my most surprising player is kenny but i have loved riley's play (laughs) kenny also look there have been a lot of surprising but i would even say aaron clancy like yeah, I, I never knew mm-hmm. who he had that kind of colorful narrator in him. Big Body Trash Can is something I'll never forget. That's hard to do. I've seen a lot of fucking Bachelor. I've heard a lot of dumb insults. Big Body Trash Can is fucking real good. Real nice. 
It is good. I can't wait to go on Big Body Trash Talk podcast. Me either. By the way, Marissa, Love Level 4 is back. And then we get this cross-cutting between all the couples accepting the dark offer of going into the fantasy suite. And we see what each of their fantasy suites holds. Serena and GSJ pop champagne. Riley and Marissa get in a hot tub. They have some whipped cream and strawberries and stuff sitting by the side, of course. And Kenny and Mari make out in a bed. And then we get a montage of all the couples doing foreplay. Kenny comes out supposedly naked with a tray of tacos over his genitalia. And Mm -hmm. Marissa does a hot tub hooju. And GSJ throws Serena Pitt down on the bed. And then the cameras are kicked out of all the rooms and the lights go out. We know these players are fucking. Hooray. Hooray. That's that's what we watched the show for. (laughs) Portion 10 is the next day we see two seagulls fly. Not my creature of the week. You mean these birds? And then after the birds, we see a bee pollinating a flower to represent (laughs) consummation. And this bee was my... (laughs) Creature of the week. This bee was actually two bees strutting their stuff <laughs> across a flower. These bees <laughs> who were granted the incredible honor of serving our beloved game as a visual representation to pair with the birds we just saw to let the fourth audience know that all six players consummated their relationships the night prior for our pleasure were my... <laughs> Creature of the week. I mean, there weren't a lot of creatures this week. Very few, mm-hmm. in fact. Most of them were birds. We didn't even get any crabs. Paradise is over. No crabs. Now we're in fantasy suits. It's serious business. Yeah, exactly. Serious birds and bees only. I mean, consummation creatures, they're always going to get my creature of the week. Yeah, probably mine too. Unless you throw in a shitting donkey. You know what? Serena P was around that shitting donkey. Oh my God, you're right. Mm -hmm. It's all connected. He granted her (laughs) luck. But then we see a bunch of shots of clothes on the floor of GSJ and Serena Pitt's room as they kiss in LL4 and GSJ tells her he thought he would be in his head the next morning after their fantasy suite encounter, but he couldn't feel better about it. And she straight asks him if he wants to marry her. And he's like, whoa, we'll have to wait and see. Company Manning, even as he is just straight lying to the face of the woman that he has proposed his undying love to. He can't even be honest with her. He says can't spoil it. Exactly. Come on. So aware that this is a TV show. He's for the right reasons, though. Come on. It's all about love and finding love and relationship. But when the person you love says, are we going to get married? You have to be like, you can't ask me that just yet. Okay, just wait for another couple hours. God, this shit. (laughs) It it, like makes my blood boil, the hypocrisy of it all. Nonetheless, we move on. And he then ITMs not knowing if he's there yet as far as an engagement. Another straight lie. This is pure acting. Obviously, he knows he's going to be engaged to her. He loves her. They're going to get together, but the producers have been like, well, we need something to edit to make it seem like, is he going to actually propose or not so that we have any kind of suspense leading to the thing? And it's like, we know all three of these couples are getting fucking married. It's so stupid. Engaged. Sorry, engaged. It is. I mean, with fantasy suites, 
on the main game, there is a mystery because the person is consummating with multiple people. But here it's like they've consummated. They've just had this off-camera discussion of whether they're going to get proposed to or not. There is no surprise. We see Kenny and Mari love level fouring each other again in matching yellow outfits. We see Marissa and Riley. Marissa says, I do want an engagement, pre-cogging Riley. And he says, I'm going to think some more today, which throws Marissa. She says, I'm crushed. It makes me feel like he's unsure about me still. She produces tears. I want to be engaged. I want him. I didn't go through all of this for nothing. And it's like, uh, even if he doesn't propose to you, which we know he's going to, you still do have 100K Instagram followers. She broke 100K. So oh, it's like, yeah. you know. It ain't for nothing. Not the engagement you want. That's right. It's not the engagement you want, but it's the engagement you got. But is Riley fucking with her by whispering? Did he actually whisper? Is all of this fake? What the fuck is going on here? I mean, I love a plan of like setting... If they had like set this up together, let's pretend I'm not sure. Get a cliffhanger. I mean, shit, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what to believe. <laughs> I don't believe any of this. I think almost all of it is is fake, but... I mean, they're they're really in love, but the way that they're positioning the story around it is all acting, I think. Portion 11 then begins. We see everybody getting ready for the final proposals or non-proposals as they're leading us to believe might be possible. Riley's getting ready. We see Grocery Store Joe putting on an even better t-shirt. Kenny walks the beach <laughs> as he ITMs the insanity of getting engaged, and he sits on a rock, and he ponders over the ring box while he talks about loving how Mari carries herself and he LL4s her again, not to her face, but to us, the fourth audience. And we see the final altar here. We get a shot. And it looks a little bit like it was decorated by a high school art class. It could have done better, I thought, with this. There's just some driftwood and some weirdly painted pots. Hmm. What would you have liked to see there? At least some fucking fire. I know it's 100 degrees, but like, give me a fucking fire pit. If you're going to make this a satanic ritual... Fucking make it a satanic <laughs> ritual. I want to see a proposal surrounded by flames. You're in hell, and this is your proposal. They usually do flames. Flames have been on the, the final altar before. These people mm. are sacrificing themselves to us. That is what this show is. Let me see the fucking altar. At least have a fucking cow skull or something. I mean, Jesus Christ. A few mm. pieces of driftwood and some like little colored pieces of paper, little balls hanging off the fucking corners. Come on. Yeah, at least have a, a pile of dead crab bodies around you. Dead crab bodies, human bones. Also, you know, we get to the end of this entire season. You know who we didn't see was fucking Jorge Moreno. He was not in this entire season. Very, very sad about that. I feel attacked. Uh, I definitely was like, he's one of the highlights of, of Paradise to me every season. But nonetheless, we see the altar and then we see Mari entering the threshold of Paradise while she's ITMing that Kenny is the love of her life and she's hopeful for what their future holds. She meets Dean and Kaylin. They are now performing the duties of DLH, talking to Mari before she has to walk the path of pain. They offer nothing of substance here. And then Mari mm -hmm. walks the path of pain and she meets Kenny at the altar. In each case, the woman always is walking in the path of pain and she is also always the one to give her first recitation of a version of wedding vows here, which is really just kind of a recounting of how they met and shit. So she goes mm -hmm. first and she says she came to paradise with an open heart and high hopes references the first time she saw him being magical and references her mistake of pushing him away initially. And she kind of goes back through the whole process of everything they had to go through. And Kenny then tells her that he was blown away by how beautiful she was. And he felt something when he first saw her closest thing to love at first sight that he can imagine. And he kind of like 
does a little stutter step. And then he says, with all that being said, I am so fucking in love with you. Can't see my life without you. She changed his whole outlook on life and he gets down on his knee, complains about his old bones, and he shines that kneeling <laughs> sparkler product placement as best he can, just turns it right toward the fucking camera. We see the big Neil Lane logo. This is a game show. And he proposes. She accepts. And they both comment on how big the ring is and that that's good. Meanwhile, the world mm -hmm. is burning around us. And all kinds of fucking horrible shit is happening with billionaires and nobody having any money. But the ring is big and it is good. Squid Game. A lot of people did the shaking, which I appreciated. I feel like it's a homage to Catherine and Sean Lowe. They give each other their final roses. He carries her. Kenny says, we're getting engaged. She's like, we are engaged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't fucking quite get it. He doesn't understand. He's got old bones. He's, he's doing his best. He's got an old skull. Portion 12. We get Marissa greeting babies and Miller Keys. She ITMs. She's certain she won't spend the rest of her life. She's never been this vulnerable. She's squealing as she trips while she's walking the path of pain. She says, damn, when she sees Riley. I love her little quips. She says, my love, Riley, my handsome sweetheart. My life has been full of letdowns and broken promises until I met you. You showed me what a real man is. Showed me literally everything I've dreamed of my whole life. You showed me fairy tales do exist. Notably, he doesn't tear them to shreds. Right. Which I found interesting. Some do, some don't. And their fairy, <laughs> their fairy tale includes whipped cream and toes. I love this. Keep hitting that branding. I hope they sell the shit out of some whipped cream after this. And... She loved him at first sight, and he says he's gone city to city, state to state, country to country in search of something special, and he feels his heart beating fast, butterflies in his stomach, that feeling is love. I've loved you since our first date, but I need to be sure. That said, proposes, will you marry me? I do, which <laughs> I do is what you say when you're getting married. That's right. <laughs> that comes a little later. <laughs> She's so 4TRR, though. Again, I do wish Riley had incorporated his Sunday morning's love level four into the speech, but whatever. They get engaged. They give their final roses. He carries her down the beach. Beautiful. And then we get portion 13. This is going to be the Serena and GSJ portion. Serena approaches the beach, ITMing excitement about the day, one step toward being with Joe. And GSJ puts on a collared t-shirt this time and ponders while ITMing his love level four for Pitt. Kenny and Mari are perched kind of up in a little palapa watching all of this, commenting on like, oh, here comes Serena. They can see GSGA on the altar and they see someone coming down the stairs and they're like, here comes Serena. Uh-uh-uh. It ain't Serena. It's Kendall. And Kenny is like, she's trying to stop this. <laughs> Resurrection. We all know that she is not here to stop this wedding. We know that she is brought here to get closure and that's exactly what she does. She walks up and gives him this long speech about they had so many good memories, but she's genuinely happy for him and Serena, wishes him nothing but the best. And then she turns around and leaves. So this was all just a producer manipulation to try and rattle grocery store Joe. Almost my bystander. Yeah, it was almost a fucking bystander. But the idea, like then GSJ walks away down the fucking beach and he's like beside himself. He doesn't, you know, and we get this little moment of like, oh, is he having second thoughts or whatever? I think in that moment, he's actually thinking to himself like these fucking pieces of shit. Are you kidding me? They've been trying to fire Kendall at me for the entire Absolutely. paradise, trying to blow up my fucking relationship. And now I'm ready to fucking propose, which they know because I have told them all about it and they gave me the ring. They know that's happening. They fire her at me one last time to see if I could be like, I would have walked off the show. 
I would have been like, I'm done. Serena, come mm-hmm. with me. Let's leave the show. These people are piles of shit, but he can't because his entire livelihood is tied to the show now. This is the only way mm-hmm. he makes money. He has to take it. Has to take it. They have him fucking over a barrel. Anything they want to do to him here. Take it. Smile. Give us your grocery metaphors. Then portion 14 begins. We see some waves. We see the altar is empty. Joe is still wandering the beach. And then Serena meets babies and keys in the Palapa. They wish her luck. And she walks the path of pain as she ITMs having cautious optimism about her time in paradise. But meeting Joe changed, in quotes, the game for her, she says, through some tears. And again, this is Deanie Babies and Kayler Millen Keys rendering nothing. There's no point for mm-hmm. them being in this entire episode. Unfortunately, they are two of the, in my opinion, best players who ever played the game. They got nothing out of them. They were horribly misused. You know how they should have used them. How's that? You keep Abigail and Noah. You have Deanie Babies coach Noah how to do a hair removal play. Perfect. They're shaving their mustaches off together. Be like, mm-hmm. this worked for me, kid. It's going to work for you, too. I, yeah, yeah, that would have been great. But instead, we don't get that. We get <laughs> Serena going down the path of pain by herself. Always the women first. And she tells GSJ that she was cynical about love. And she doubted ever loving anyone again. She wasn't sure she could open up. But she met him and felt butterflies. And she references the producer obstacles making their relationship stronger. And then LL force him head over heels. And he says he has to be honest with her. Kendall did just show up on the beach. And the look on her face is... Uh, says it all. She, You could see it on her face. She's just like, I can't believe they're doing this to us again. Both of them know the producers are mm-hmm. fucking with them. And she just kind of has to be like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. And he's like, no, nope, I'm not kidding you. Their blame and their voice isn't toward Kendall. It is toward mm-hmm. the producers. And even when Kendall comes out to GSJ, you can see on his face, he's not pissed at her at all. Yeah, he's like, you're okay. He comforts her. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, he gets it. And that idea that we are starting to see through the facade a little bit. We are starting to see players handling these situations where producers are trying to fuck with them in better and better ways that has this like this understanding between them that's like, okay, I get it. The producers are fucking doing this to us. And I think that's going to ra- really start ramping up, especially in Paradise with players who have gone through at least one iteration of the main game. But he tells her that Kendall did show up, but it made him more confident in his love for her blah, blah, blah. And, uh, (laughs) you know, we get the proposal here that we knew was fucking coming. And he says this little thing in the end, you told me you were falling for me first. And you told me you love me first. Now it's my turn. I love you very much. Will you marry me? Yes. And they, we see the ring. We get some kisses. We see the final roses. Kenny and Mari cheers them from the perch where they were watching this whole thing. And then the happy couples all walk down the steps. They all meet up on the beach. Is three proposals the most we've seen in a single season? Yes. Gigantic. Historic. I think we've had two before. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. And Serena gets the final toast to many more special moments to come. They all cheers. Waves crash against a rock. And then we get this first montage. This is a cut down of memorable moments from the season set to (laughs) Starship's Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now. Another 80s love ballad similar to Almost Paradise. And we get some weird attempts at comedy with these subtitles telling us kind of like almost at the end of an 80s movie, like a John Hughes movie, where it tells you what happened to these characters mm-hmm. after the the thing you're watching. They do this at the end of Housewives seasons mm. also, okay. where they're like, updates, some of them are real, some of them are jokey, etc. We get James and Aaron are now roommates and BFFs. Hashtag big facts. So they're already... <laughs> 
they villainized my Kenna for having hashtags on Pilot Pete season. They're allowing and embracing Aaron's hashtags. Demigod is good and says the haters can four stars her ass. Connor, the Catman, is available to play your next event. We see Taj can't pee, Taj can't poop. That quote included in this, which I thought was interesting. We still mm-hmm. don't know what that meant. Taj can't wait re- to return to paradise. So I guess she's been invited back. We see a clip of Tammy saying that this experience was worse than COVID. Her line <laughs> is Tammy moved to LA and is now vaccinated. We see <laughs> Tia is still looking for the right dance partner. You know what that's in reference to? Vaginal protocol. Yes, I knew. I didn't know that. <laughs> Just in case you forgot clues. I'm never going to fucking forget that shit. Oh, God. Kelsey has radiant skin and is regular. What was that? Did that mean her period? I think her shitting. The thing that she was putting on her face was a laxative. Oh. Oh, got it. Regarding David Spade, David is expecting happy birthday videos from the whole cast on his line about they're all going to do cameo. It's just like, it's it's hinting at this whole like... They're all going to do cameo, which is social media, which is, you know, it's joking that they're all SpawnCon people, but yeah, whatever. Noah and Abigail left Paradise and realized they missed each other. They are hanging out and taking things slowly. See, Becca and Thomas started dating again after Paradise. They are happy and in love. But neither of these couples stopped dating. That's the, they're undercutting their own narrative here. Both of these couples continued dating immediately after Paradise. There's like a lot of shit online about both of those things that are like very credible, you know? So the word on the street you're saying is that they never, they all faked these breakups. Well, the word on the street. <laughs> Give me the word on the street. I should say it's the, the word in the forums. The word on the forums. To me, the forums are the streets. All right. That's where I get uh-huh. my street oh, information. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the town square where everyone yells nice things at each other. Exactly. They realized they missed each other as soon as their planes landed from paradise and they called each other and said, hey, when are we getting together? Like that. That's the extent of them being in quotes broken up. Got it. And then we get Brendan and Piper are laying low dot, 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 Mm. hitting them again. Then we get that shot of Natasha Parker and Lil Jon spraying champagne at everyone. With the Chiron, Natasha has over 460,000 followers on Instagram. And this Chiron was my wowie moment of the week. It was also my wowie moment of the week. Because after this, I didn't see anything else for the rest of the show because I put my foot through the TV screen. <laughs> this single image that is a freeze frame of Natasha Parker and Lil John spraying champagne with this Chiron. She has 460,000 Instagram followers. It encapsulates the entire hypocrisy of the show so clearly in just a single image. They chastise all of these players this season for coming in, breaking the rules, specifically Piper really got fucking raked over the coals for talking about Instagram. So did Brennan Marias. And they made them villains. They kicked them out. Producers forced them out of the show for doing this. Here, they reward Natasha Parker for it, who is what again? Oh, she's a host of an official Bachelor Nation podcast. That is why this is happening. And it's fucking insane. Now, the other part of this, though, that is kind of interesting is this is the first time we've ever seen a player's follower count in the show referred Mm -hmm. to. It's historic. But 
I don't know if this will be the last time because that is the measure of this sport. That number is the measure of this sport. How high you get it, especially through Paradise, is kind of your batting average. And so here the producers at least are recognizing it. And it may be a little bit that the producers are like rubbing it in Brennan and Piper's face. Like, ha ha, look, she got 460,000 followers. It may be that, but it might also be that they're starting to understand this show is antiquated as fuck, even in terms of other reality dating shows, in terms of their treatment of social media. And it might be Mm -hmm. that they're loosening their grip a little bit on it. I still don't think you're going to see shit like this in the main game, but I don't know. Loosening it while vilifying it is such a weird dynamic to me. Like, And this is also, I mean, this is going to get her more followers. Absolutely. Most of the people are not in the forums. They don't know about Natasha's huge gain. I'm very curious what this will end up by the end of this week. It's basically saying follow Natasha. This show tonight said 460K. I don't know when they made Mm -hmm. that Chiron. I would guess sometime this week. She's now at 471. As of right now, as we're recording this, I just looked at it. We get three more Chirons. Kenny and Mari's love is insatiable, just like Kenny's love of eating Mari's tacos. Riley and Marissa have lived part of Riley's dream and are madly in love. Joe and Serena are happily engaged. She's excited to become a grocer's wife. Who's she married? He's not even a grocer. Not a grocery store, Joe. He's a podcast host. (laughs) So then after these Chirons, we get now the second fucking montage in a row. This is just random shots that are all set to a different song by Rita Ora, Sofia Reyes, and Reich. The song is called Seaside, and we get no Chirons here, just shots of people working out on the beach, jet skiing, having fun. It's clear they don't have enough footage to make the three-hour show. They literally just took B-roll of bullshit to fill in the last five minutes of this (laughs) over a fucking song. No new information provided. These are all things we've already seen happen. It's so fucking bad. And then finally, we get a sneak peek of Michelle Young's upcoming season. This is just another montage. We get shirtless guys, airplanes, pools, basketball group date, class group date, which I think you predicted, Pace Case. We get some kids. Child army. Child army. We get forced nudity. We get sports jerseys. We get voluntary nudity. Yeah, someone doing Michelle Young's jersey kringle back to her. Smart. Yeah. We get a baseball game date. We get race cars, roller skates, stargazing, boats, kisses, rock climbing, fireworks. We see Clayton, the next bachelor, kissing Michelle Young in a planetarium. We get someone coming into the game with a plan and we get to see the folders. That's definitely a part of this. And we see that Nate is the player that Clayton accuses of being an actor on a reality TV show as though that is some (laughs) mortal sin against humanity. And we see somebody throwing someone's jacket into a pool. And it looks like a return, ultimately. Not quite to The Bachelor of Yore, but closer. Definitely closer than the bubble seasons. You still get a little sense when you see the guys in some of these promo shots of them like, they are sequestered a little bit in this resort, but you do see them out in the world doing shit that is like much more like we're used to in the old game. Mm-hmm. Definitely feels like a bigger bigger scope. I mean, for me, I just can't get over the the folders. I know. And Tasha saying we found something that was actually really alarming as if they had found like doll heads or like pieces of a dead body in someone's bag and it's the folders. Yeah, that's what it sounded like to me. I was like, they found somebody's fucking heroin kit. They found a finger, like some shit like that. Yeah, a finger. (laughs) It's like you found some dude's notes on how he's going to play the game that you're all playing. That's alarming. Come on. Deeply alarming. 
deeply alarming. Sorry. This company man shit is just like, I don't know how much longer they can do this. It's like absurd at this point. Someone planning out every move. I mean, it's it's ads for our, for our book, How to Win the Bachelor. Feels tar- feels targeted. Yeah. <laughs> Who would do something like that? I, look, I got news for you, producers. You ain't going to have a season ever again where there's not players who have planned every move. That's not ever going to happen again. You can try to find out who these players are, but the players are going to get better and better. And eventually you're not going to be able to find it out. And you can try to manipulate these players, but the reality of it is you're the ones being manipulated and the players are going to be good enough to make you think the other thing is happening. That's what's about to happen. In our games. Clues is dark promise. You heard it here. Wednesday, October 6, 2021. I don't even think it's a fucking promise. I think it's fucking happening. You see some some of these players in Bachelor of Paradise are fucking doing it. Yeah. I would I would argue the company men to some degree are doing it. It's like, okay, they can make grocery store Joe like get his gang together and kick this person off or whatever, you know, in quotes, kick them off. The producers did it, but grocery store Joe had to carry it out on camera. They're like, we're manipulating him. Meanwhile, this motherfucker is going to walk away with a million Instagram followers. I don't know how much money he's making on clickbait and he's getting fucking married to the love of his life. Who fucking played who? I mean, he says on camera, I was going to do it later about the love levels. Yeah. No spoilers. Don't say whether I'll propose, you know. Totally. They're planning it out to some extent. Yes. That's like, you know, I don't want to misconstrue this. Like good players are manipulating the producers and all of the company men have done that. Yes, they may be shackled now. They may be chained to whatever podcast they're going to have to do for the rest of their fucking life. But that's a lucrative thing. That is one of the highest goals you can attain in our beloved game. And any players Mm -hmm. who are doing it, especially a grocery store Joe, who is a night fucking one guy from 100 years ago, that's insane (laughs) level of play. Speaking of... Who was your MVP? For evading the second ballistic Kendall missile thrown at him, as well as carrying this entire episode, Grocery Store Joe was my MMMMVP. I mean, having to do your proposal to the love of your life after producers have surprised you with your ex-girlfriend is the highest level of difficulty that any of these players had to go through in this episode. GSJ, of course, carried it out with a plum. He's got the whole show behind him. It's not that difficult for him to be the MVP, but he still did it. Couldn't agree with you more. Grocery store Joe was also my... M M M M M V P. We've given him a couple of MVPs this season. He's sitting at 886 Instagram followers right now. Mm, not a mill. Not a mill, but I mean, shit. He's going to crack 900K probably by the end of this week, mm-hmm. I would guess. And who knows where it goes after that, if they're going to get married in paradise, if that's going to be televised or who knows. I think he could have possibly the chance to crack a million. And again, he's a night one guy, but that's not even this game. Exactly what you're talking about is correct. He fucking had the producers try to sink him in one of the most malicious ways we've ever seen. 
And he took a moment, walked down the fucking beach, came back and delivered a fantastic proposal in a fucking t-shirt and everybody loved it. <laughs> he was the star of the fucking show, bar none. He's a company man like he had it fucking all. And mm. I, I just thought he played a fantastic round here. His fantasy suite was great. His final proposal was great. Even when they were giving him the narrator, he was doing that pretty well with like, these are the couples who were like, oh, we don't know about them, but mm-hmm. we like these couples. I just thought that he he crushed it. I would say Riley was like a close second to me in this. Yeah. And uh, Ed Waste brought a close third. <laughs> <laughs> I would say anybody behind Riley and GSJ was a distant third. Yeah. It's also the guys were like favored in this round because the guys were the ones who had to do the proposing. They were the ones who had to do the second speech. So the women all had to go up and be like, look, I love you. I want to get married. How about you? And then the guy had to be the one that kind of anchored those conversations. So the guys did have a little bit more of a, it was weighted in their direction in terms of play. But, you know, I, I just, I was very impressed by everything Grocery Store Joe did this game. He's a great fucking player, like bar none. And now I, I lament the fact that he was a night one guy. I'm like, what could he have fucking done in the main game? I don't even know. Hmm. We'll never know. Alternate universe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his love level four wasn't as good as Riley's, but it still came off very four TRR. Totally. He's playing a very four TRR game. Yeah. It's a game. <laughs> No shit. But there you have it. That is our breakdown of the final game of Bachelor in Paradise Season 7. And now we have a gigantic announcement. We are not going to have Twibbon this week. Instead, we're going to have a very special interview for you this Friday. We think you're going to really enjoy it. And we have an even bigger Mm -hmm. announcement. Next week, we're taking off. That's right. For the first time in 200 and whatever fucking episodes, we're going to take a week off. Two years. Over two years. It's over two years. It has been a long slog, but we're going to take that week off, get some much needed rest, recharging, and come back strong for Michelle Young's premiere the following week. But in that week, we will have two episodes. We're going to dig back through our vault, especially for new listeners who might not have heard some of our earlier Stranger Works. And uh, (laughs) we will put out two episodes that week that are going to be you know, kind of historic re-listenings of some of our favorite things that we've ever done so that we hope you guys will enjoy those. But uh, thanks again, everybody, for listening to this recap of the final episode of Bachelor in Paradise Season 7, one of the most historic, the most historic, I guess, in history. And not next Monday, but the Monday after, we will have a Patreon episode out where we're going to break down the top 10 most important things that happened over the course of the season. And we're going to be giving out all of our year-long awards, the MVP of the season, the play of the season, error of the season, et cetera, et cetera. So please join us for that. And before we go, as always, what is that Dwabat? It has been 7,135 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend 
to listen to us and then. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor viewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, Mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. (laughs) Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, Mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back, no questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's fiber skincare. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe. Unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabuli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. It's the next best thing to to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things. 
and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage, so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater, and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, Frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. 